American involvement in Vietnam began in 1950 and slowly climbed during the administration of President Eisenhower. After the French were driven out of Vietnam in the aftermath of the Battle of Dien Bien Phu in 1954, America began to see Southeast Asia as a hotbed of communist activity. Cold War theorists feared the spread of communism would go unchecked through the continent. This theory was titled the Domino Theory. As political tensions grew, the country divided further between the communist North and the anti-communist South. If one country went communist, then other neighbors were likely to follow suit. This theory was a flaw in the thinking of Cold War ideologues who refused to cede even an inch of ground to any political entities vaguely seen as allied to the Soviet Union. The domino theory also failed to take into account historic rivalries and differences in culture between different countries in Asia. Communism was seen as a monolith and a force that threatened democracies worldwide. With this inflexible thinking in play, Vietnam became the place where the U.S. drew the line in the sand. America began by supporting the anti-communist South Vietnamese against the communist North Vietnamese. Both sides wanted to reunify the country under their respective ideologies. U.S. forces were determined to make sure the winner was the South. American forces grew, and in 1964, in the Gulf of Tonkin, American destroyers fought a small battle with North Vietnamese patrol boats. Many still question whether this skirmish in the Gulf even happened. The U.S. Congress passed the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution in response to this incident and gave President Lyndon Johnson authority to escalate in Vietnam. Ground forces were increasing gradually, and the war was heating up. By 1966, Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara saw the progress of the war as slow. Military gains were sometimes few and far between, despite American ground victories being constant. Communist insurgents, the Viet Cong, or VC as they were known, were moving around South Vietnam freely and supplying their North Vietnamese army, or NVA counterparts, with supplies and bases to operate in the South. The war needed a new strategy that could be implemented quickly and be effective at stopping the free movement of the enemy into South Vietnam. McNamara privately confided in friends that by 1966, he felt the war may be unwinnable. The idea was to take the fight to the enemy by fast hit-and-run operations. American forces, along with their South Vietnamese allies, would land in enemy areas, attack quickly, and destroy the enemy. After an area was thoroughly cleared, or sometimes called pacified, forces would leave the area and report back to command. Success would no longer be measured on the ground gained, but solely on enemy destroyed. U.S. forces hoped to use guerrilla-style tactics against the VC and fight an unconventional style of war. When combined with superior American airstrikes and artillery, this new approach could prove deadly to the communist guerrillas. This new measure was called the body count. Reports would always include number of enemies killed and captured as its top priority. The helicopter, most notably the Huey, was key in making this work. Soldiers could be moved in and out of areas quickly and thus be more mobile than the enemy. The Huey was reliable and flexible and extremely adaptable to different conditions. It could be used as a gunship for on-the-ground fire support and to ferry soldiers around the country, and also as fast-moving ambulances. U.S. tacticians saw the Huey as just the right kind of tool to change the dynamic of the war and be more aggressive. By 1966, Search and Destroy got its first field test. On September 14, 1966, U.S. forces in South Vietnam launched Operation Attleboro. The operation was meant to secure the province of Tai I Ninh from the North Vietnamese and the Viet Cong. Tai I Ninh was being used as a main operations center by communist forces and also as a main supply area. 
securing this sector became a priority. U.S. forces were convinced there was a main operations base in the area and were determined to destroy it and bring the enemy to the field to fight. This attack was tailor-made to test search and destroy. In 1966, the morale of the U.S. was high, despite the lack of significant gains in the war to that point. They did not feel beaten. The idea of taking the fight to the VC and NVA sounded like the right call. Officers and soldiers alike began training for the operation, which was named after the city of Attleboro, Massachusetts, where the 196th Infantry Brigade had been formed. South Vietnamese Army troops were plagued by low morale and high desertion rates throughout the war. Operation Attleboro would see the South Vietnamese perform well on the field and especially in defense. Both U.S. and South Vietnamese forces were inexperienced. The 196th Infantry Brigade was tapped to spearhead the operation and seek out the enemy. They were supported by 22,000 South Vietnamese. By October, contact was made with NVA regulars supported by VC guerrillas near a Michelin rubber plantation outside of Dao Tiang. These forces were routed, and a significant cache of weapons and supplies were recovered. North of the tire plantation was a special forces base called Sui Da. After a firefight, the VC retreated north in the direction of that base. When Military Assistance Command Vietnam, also known as MACV, received word of the success and the retreat north of the Communist forces, General William Westmoreland, head of MACV, believed the main base had been found. MACV assumed that the enemy would not retreat north towards Sui Da unless there was a base near there to help supply them. Combined with the knowledge of the supplies already discovered, MACV believed they had a good chance at scoring a major blow. Huey helicopters filled with American soldiers rushed to the area and were ambushed in their landing zone south of Sui Da by the 9th VC Division. As U.S. and South Vietnamese forces converged, so did the 101st NVA. A fierce battle ensued and the Americans were pushed back to Sui Da. The base supplied coordination for air and artillery bombardments. Ground coordination between units was poor and communication sparse. Almost every unit arriving into the fight was ambushed sometimes almost instantly. The VC had already begun constructing tunnels and bunkers for defense. Either these forces had found the base they were looking for, or they were walking into a trap. If a trap was being laid, MACV wanted to repay the intention with interest. The 1st Infantry Division was brought into the fight, and many more followed. MACV began to set up for a pitch battle if one presented itself, and they were determined to win. Within days, there were over 22,000 troops in the area, when the buildup seemed to overwhelm the 9th VC Division, they broke up into smaller groups and fought a fighting retreat into Cambodia. U.S. and South Vietnamese forces trailed them to the border and had to let them slip away. American forces were not allowed to cross into Cambodia. MACV's plans to force the enemy to fight at Attleboro had been foiled. Tons of supplies were captured and NVA movements in the area were disrupted. The battle was seen as a tactical victory by American command due to the body count. U.S. forces suffered 155 killed, around 800 wounded, and 5 missing in action. Communist forces suffered 2,130 killed, 1,000 wounded, an unknown number missing, and over 200 captured. Search and Destroy was instantly lauded as success, and even thought to have exceeded expectations. Many saw the potential to use this new tactical doctrine to ambush the enemy and use fast-moving air cavalry divisions and to fight the war on the VC's terms. Once the enemy was locked down, then Americans could do what they felt they did best, use overwhelming firepower to kill as many soldiers as possible 
and break the communist will to fight. Search and destroy was now the standard. MACV viewed Attleboro as a missed opportunity, and with better response time and coordination, next time they could get the victory they were seeking. Command also knew that if the VC bases came under attack, they would fight to protect them, and new emphasis was now placed on gathering ground intelligence on VC operational bases. Search and destroy operations became notorious for unreliable body counts. Numbers were sometimes inflated, and miscounts were common due to false reports of defectors, faulty on-the-ground intelligence, and in some cases, miscounting. Some of the incidents where limbs were found and declared to be one whole body became infamous. Search and destroy was used as the tactical doctrine in some of the largest operations in the Vietnam War. It was used in Operation Junction City, and even in the aftermath of the Tet Offensive in 1968, to clear out pockets of insurgents all over the country. Operation Attleboro, as a field test, gave MACV and McNamara reason to believe they had found a winning formula, if they could get the troop levels to implement it. American forces in Vietnam grew steadily after Attleboro and continued to grow well into the 1970s. Attleboro's outcome sparked a permanent change in anti-insurgent tactics in Vietnam. After U.S. forces left Thai Ninh, the VC moved back over the Cambodian border and retook the area. They had been stymied, but not beaten, and reestablished themselves quickly. In response, Viet Cong recruitment efforts were doubled. The North Vietnamese adapted quickly to the new way the Americans wanted to fight. This process would be repeated throughout the course of the war. General William Westmoreland addressed a joint session of Congress on April 28, 1967, and proclaimed, If... Backed at home by resolve, confidence, patience, determination, and continued support, we will prevail in Vietnam. Westmoreland saw a light at the end of the tunnel, and based on the perceived success of Search and Destroy, saw a clear path to American victory. On January 30, 1968, the Tet Offensive was launched. It was clear the Vietnamese forces had more manpower than originally thought. The body count wasn't adding up, and VC recruitment was more than making up for their losses. The light at the end of the tunnel was really nothing but a mirage.